Happy NBA offseason, everybody. Bad franchises have made some bad moves. We'll break those down. And also, the Nets have one play left for KD. I'll tell you the only move they should be making with KD. That and more. It's in the lab with Hoopsology. Let's start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with In the Lab, episode number 25. I am your host tonight, Matt Thomas. Uh, My co-host, Justin Goodrum, is off tonight. I got to actually visit with him yesterday, which was great. Got to talk shop, talk a lot about the NBA and other stuff going on in the world. So shout out to my co-host, Justin. Welcome back to Albuquerque for this weekend that you're here. We have, as always, a lot going on with the podcast. I know we've been talking about great interviews that are coming up. They are coming up. We should have another interview up on the feed next week, keeping things rolling through the off season. Those of you watching on video, you can see we are members of Off the Glass Basketball Podcast Network, otgbasketball.com is where you can find all the great content that all our contributors are posting, and you can find our podcast homepage there. We discussed on the last episode the aftermath of the draft. We discussed Supermaxing, Bradley Beal, and why we thought that that was the wrong play for the Wizards. Tonight, we have some similar topics to discuss. We have Just all kinds of movement across the NBA. There's no way we're going to cover all those moves tonight, nor would we want to for all the little minor moves that happen. But I do want to touch on some of the biggest moves. We've got four topics, four big topics lined up for tonight. So without further ado, let's jump right into that. A big trade that has happened, I guess finalized yesterday, July 6th, though it's been known about for longer than that. The Timberwolves get Rudy Gobert, who is inked, um, may have been surpassed by Jokic at this point, but um, at one point was the highest paid center in NBA history, the highest paid out contract in NBA history. So the Timberwolves, as you can see on the screen here, get Rudy Gobert. The Jazz get essentially some role players, some bench players. They also get the number 22 pick from the draft this year, Walker Kessler. They get a 2023 first-round pick, a 2025 first-round pick, a 2026 pick swap, a 2027 first-round pick, and a 2029 protected first-round pick. So a lot of picks for Rudy Gobert, essentially, and some player contracts to make salaries make sense for the trade. And here's the big questions that I have with this deal. And I think what will lead you to guess my answer for who won this trade. Rudy Gobert is a somewhat of an, an NBA relic. He's an elite rim defender. He's an elite rebounder. He cannot score very well in the post, uh, had chemistry issues, with Donovan Mitchell 
a big struggle there. Who's the alpha on this team? Who's Batman? Who's Robin? However you want to put it. There was a struggle there for a long time on the Jazz. And the Jazz reached higher heights than I thought they would have with the roster that they had there. They were, two years ago, the number one seed in the West. They have recently still had a a lot of success. Uh, I believe they were the four or maybe it was the five seed in the playoffs last year. But in any case, uh, a very high seed, uh, even though they got knocked out in the first round this last postseason. So two questions that I think are of importance here. Are the best years to come with Rudy Gobert as a 30-year-old center in this league? Or have we already seen the best years of Rudy Gobert? And how high is the ceiling now for this Timberwolves team now that they have acquired Rudy Gobert? And was it worth dishing out all those first-round picks that you see listed there, including a pick swap? My answer to this is no, it's not worth it. And I think it doesn't raise their ceiling. When you look at top contenders in the West, is Rudy Gobert going to be able to be in games late in the fourth quarter against the Suns, against the uh, Warriors, against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are a fast young team? I think the answer to all three of those teams is no. I think you can potentially get run off the court if you are starting Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. I I actually don't mind the way those two line up together as as two bigs. May cause issues defensively, of course. Carl Anthony Towns would have to get better covering the perimeter. But Rudy Gobert makes up for a lot of deficiencies that Carl Anthony Towns has on the defensive end, obviously, with the rim protection. So I do wonder... I want to see how they play together on the court. But even if it works out, I think ideally, they are still not fast enough to keep up with those teams that I mentioned. And there's a big chance they could get matched against one of those three teams in the first round or at least by the second round. So you've raised your ceiling to, I think, a second round team Maybe if things go very well with Anthony Edwards' development and they get a good matchup in that next round, there's potential that they can make a Western Conference Finals, but I'm not betting that way. I'm be- I'm saying right now about second round potential until we see this play out. My other question here, with all the assets that they're giving up here, um. What was the competition? What was the market for Rudy Gobert? I'm asking this rhetorically. I don't I don't think many know the answer to this. I don't I don't think it's been widely publicized what was the competition for this. If there wasn't much competition to get Rudy Gobert as I question if there was, I, I could see maybe the Knicks were uh, a team that would be looking to get Rudy Gobert. We we discussed that in a previous episode. Um with one of our guests, uh, Derek Henry, shout out to him. Um, I just don't like this. I, I don't, I think you have a lot of money that you're paying out to Rudy Gobert in the fourth year of this contract. 
that really handcuffs this team. And I don't know that he's going to have a lot of value in the league, to be quite honest, um, unless he ages very, very well for an NBA center, which, hey, that could happen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on that. Um, he has been very durable, but I just think as he loses speed and athleticism, that exacerbates the problem of can he stay out in the game in these fourth quarter situations. So for this first scenario, I got to say that the Jazz win this trade. Um, when you consider they have two very disgruntled superstars, they have assets here that, you know, I don't think they're going to convince Donovan Mitchell to stay. And maybe it's not worth it, you could argue, to have him stay. Maybe they should just go for ultimate value here. But you have the potential that you've moved on from Gobert, who in my opinion is the less valuable asset between those two players. You've moved on from that. Maybe you can convince Donovan Mitchell to stay. If not, you've got a lot of assets from this for future trades or future rebuilding. And... I think those first round picks are going to have a lot of value, especially when you look at 2027, 2029. We'll see what happens here. The benefit of the doubt I will give to the Timberwolves is if they have another move banked that we don't see come in, but that goes for just about any of these moves that we're going to be discussing today. So it's almost a moot point. I think Bill Simmons put it very well on his podcast earlier this week that this smells of a new ownership move. The Timberwolves do have new ownership. They've made, in my opinion, very good moves in terms of their their the people they've hired for their front office. But this feels like an option that was thrown out to ownership, an option that ownership really wanted. And they went ahead and made the ownership happy, but I think they've really mortgaged their future here. All right, enough go bear talk. Let's move on to the next topic here, which is a very impactful uh, move for the Western Conference when you think of the Dallas Mavericks making that Western Conference Finals, shocking the NBA world anyway by beating the Phoenix Suns as we've discussed on this podcast, Jalen Brunson decides to ditch Dallas and he has signed a four year, $104 million contract. He is banking off of a great postseason performance. Let's give credit where credit is due. He averaged in 18 games in the postseason, 21.6 points per game and 4.6 rebounds per game. Thoughts on this signing. So four years, 104 million. That's a lot of cash. I believe that comes to 26 million a year. If you average that out, um, it's it's a large price tag, but it's it's not terrible. I don't hate this contract. But here's the big question: Did Brunson get the Luka Doncic bump as a contributor, being the second punch? in this Dallas Mavericks offense or getting more usage on the New York Knicks. Will he grow? Will those stats grow? Will he maintain his efficiency or close to it? If he happens to be the primary ball handler, the primary scorer, as you would assume he would be given that contract, given the state of the Knicks this last year, unless Julius Randall can revive himself 
to the way he played two years ago when the Knicks made the playoffs, you'd have to think Jalen Brunson is going to be the number one option. We'll see what other moves play out for the Knicks, you would imagine. And it's been alluded to that there are other moves coming. Um, I don't hate this move, but I would bet more on the side that Jalen Brunson shined alongside Luka Doncic more so than if you had to tell me, you know, he's got to be your 1A option. I don't think he will be as efficient of a player. But we have teams, two teams now that we've talked about that have kind of swum around in mediocrity, I think to put it nicely, that have made moves to keep them in mediocrity, to potentially lower their ceilings. I think Brunson, to a lesser degree, they had talked about for so long this narrative of building a tough team, building from the ground up, taking a few years to do this. This feels kind of like jump in the starting line a little bit to me. Feels that way for the Timberwolves, too. You're building this good young core. You maybe need to move Carl Anthony Towns. We'll see what they do there. They jump the gun a little bit. They go for this low-hanging fruit of Rudy Gobert, disgruntled player on the Jazz, and now they also have lowered their ceilings. Speaking of lowering or raising quite a bit, potentially, ceilings, let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and what they did here with Zion Williamson. He has been given the five-year Supermax contract of his dreams, <laughs> you would have to imagine. What do you say here? I, I think everyone knows why Zion got this contract. He has a ton of potential as an NBA superstar. He's still a potential face of the league type of talent. We just haven't seen it. He just hasn't been around. A lot of this is injury predicaments. You see here his stats on basketball reference. He's been around for three seasons. He's played 85 games. In those 85 games, he's been very impressive. Sat out all year last year with a, uh, foot issues. Had a foot injury, had foot surgeries. There are rumblings about him coming back for the playoffs. The Pelicans surprised everyone in the play-in tournament and giving the Suns an honest run for their money. So the Pelicans definitely outperformed expectations. Zion was not a part of that at all. And if you add him and he's healthy you can see where the Pelicans can climb and maybe be top six, maybe top five team in the West if things go incredibly well, uh, if things go to agree, a degree that we have not seen yet in Zion Williamson's career. You'll remember that even for these 85 games that he has played, he has been on minutes restrictions the whole time. And... Another thing that I, I want to be sensitive bringing this up, but I do think it's an important factor to address Zion Williamson. And I think some of this is having an injured foot, obviously not being able to move as much. But when you talk about your responsibility as an athlete, when you talk about your responsibility as the head player, the franchise player of a team, a, a player that commands a super max deal, I'll just be honest. The, the fact that there were, widely spread reports of Zion Williamson being over 300 pounds. Um, now, granted, he he has a large build. He, he is a guy that can give punishment on the inside, um, in the paint, which is a great thing. Great thing for his rebounding. Great thing for his ability to get to the rim. But it does concern me that we've had issues already 
as a young player um, with weight. Uh, that is just a weight that I don't think is sustainable. I think he needs to, in my opinion, get to like 250 pounds or less. There have been a lot of encouraging photos released. Who knows if it's photoshopped or not, but it does seem like Zion's conditioning is getting better. And maybe most of that has to do with him just being able to move more on that foot, plain and simple. Um, so I'm hopeful, of course, I want to see more and more stars in this league. I want Zion to do well. But just to give you my thoughts on this, my opinions on this, I would bet against Zion's future success. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. So I don't think it was the wrong move to re-sign Zion. But I think I would do everything in my power to sign and trade Zion, as crazy as that might sound. While his potential is so high right now, while he still has some level of value, I would try and get as many assets for him as I possibly could, as many picks for him as I could, as many contributory players as I could. Doesn't seem like Zion is happy in New Orleans, so it may be that now that he has signed this contract, he may ask for a trade request in the near future, as NBA stars have been doing in recent memories when you look at Ben Simmons. And our next and final topic for this offseason stream, just scratching the surface of the NBA offseason here. Speaking of signing contracts and then asking for trade requests, we have Mr. Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets, who we have talked about quite a bit on this podcast already and, and their off-season drama, their in-season drama, lots of drama with this team. 16 games total of the trio that was Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. In my opinion, one of the biggest disappointments in recent memory just in the NBA in terms of hype and then what actually happened on the basketball court. You saw potential for maybe the greatest offense in NBA history and then never got to play out uh, just the way things went down. So let this be a lesson. If you are a doormat ownership group, if you just roll out the carpet and let players who specialty is to play basketball if you let them make all the front office decisions for you this is what can happen um started early with kenny atkinson a, a good coach a great developer of players got pushed out for the nets to opt to hire steve nash i don't hate the hiring of steve nash i'm just not convinced it was the right move to push kenny atkinson out of there and ever since then, a lot of questionable moves that have led up to this moment. One that I think makes a huge difference that I know also is controversial, but I do think the Nets should have stood by Kyrie Irving, even though he made a very unpopular decision last season that you all know about. You know what I'm talking about. Um I think they still should have allowed him. Remember, remember, this was the Nets' decision to say, you either play all games with us or you play no games with us. They could have said, you can still play road games when applicable, and you wouldn't have the Nets getting swept in the first round against the Celtics. So they stubbed themselves in the toes, in my opinion, by doing that. And I, I think that may be part of Kevin Durant's distrust of this front office some of the drama and issues that are going down we don't know the full story yet so i don't want to speculate too much but kevin durant has requested a trade it's been 
widely reported, and he just signed a four-year contract to play with this team. Let's talk about some potential offers that that they've gotten. Uh, Toronto has been in the mix, but they've also said that they're not trading Scotty Barnes. Um, The big trade that has been reported is a trading combination of DeAndre Ayton and uh, Bridges from Phoenix, along with, of course, younger assets, first-round picks, things like that, in order to bring Kevin Durant to Phoenix. But there have also been reports that eh, the Nets don't really want Ayton. Ayton and Bridges is not going to be enough to swing that deal. Um, there have been reports from other teams going after Kevin Durant as well. The Celtics, there have been uh, more meme-friendly jokes of of Kevin Durant going back to the Warriors. It's a bad look, I think, from a PR perspective for Kevin Durant to request this trade. There was that conversation that went on last year that Charles Barkley had on Inside the NBA, this whole idea of bus driver debates. And this, so you know this debate where Michael Jordan was a bus driver. He was always going to be the alpha dog. He's going to be the put your put the team on my back i'm going to carry you through the finish line i'm going to be the bus driver of this team i'm not just along for the ride similar in other franchises too uh, you you look at any franchise star you look at a uh, modern day example would be steph curry though he's had a lot of help it's it's been with that franchise really haven't been reports of him requesting a trade or anything like that same with giannis there's been some drama but he would be like kind of bus driver guy in Charles Barkley's opinion. And in Minnie's opinion, Kevin Durant kind of revoked his status as a bus driver type of player. When he joined the warriors who of course, if you know your recent NBA history that had just beat Kevin Durant's Oklahoma city thunder, he went and joined forces with them. That was a big no, no in many folks opinion. Uh, and I think if he were to go to the Celtics who just made the finals or the Suns, who were just near the finals and were kind of the consensus best team, best regular season team last year, he's revoking again, his bus driver status. He's along for the ride to get another title. I'm all for player mobility, but I, I think this is a bad look for a player who is talked about as maybe the best pure scorer that we've ever had in NBA history. Definitely one of the top small forwards to play in the history of the league. Um, and so with the Nets, and look, side note here, of course, you have all this other uh, reports that Kyrie wants to go to the Lakers. So basically, it's it's like a blow it up situation with the Nets. Now, personally, as a Rockets fan, I hope they do blow it up. Because if you look at the number of picks that we have from that James Harden trade, that James Harden trade gets a lot more attractive if this team is only led by Ben Simmons and DeAndre Ayton, for example. Um, so I, I'm all for it as what I'm rooting for as a fan, yeah, go ahead and blow it up. But I think if I am the Nets front office, it's time to take a stand. And you have one and only one play that you can make here. Only one move you can make. And that is to say, Kevin Durant, you signed your contract for four years and prove it. Prove that you are the bus driver. We have built this franchise around you. We have traded away our young talent, the talent that we developed 
to build a team that can contend for a title around you. Perhaps we need to do better with our moves. I would agree. We need to do better with our moves, with our management. But Kevin Durant, we're not trading you. You are, in our opinion, you say this to him anyway, you are the greatest small forward in NBA history. You're right there with LeBron. Come do this on your own. Win a title here for Brooklyn. Do this as the bus driver of this team. Now, of course, if I'm in that meeting, I'm not alluding to Charles Barkley. I'm not going to say it exactly that way, but you get my point. You have to keep Kevin Durant. You're not getting equal value in any trade, and you have him under contract for four more years. There's no reason to trade him away at this point. I think you let this simmer. You let these guys stew. I think you keep Kyrie Irving for his his year as well. I mean, there's reports getting a third team involved so that the Nets wind up with Russell Westbrook. Are you kidding me? We get the OKC Thunder uh, back together again. Uh, the reason that Kevin Durant left the Thunder, or at least part of the reason, um, you, you get that back, rerun that in Brooklyn. I don't think so. This was supposed to be KD and Kyrie. Kevin Durant handpicking Kyrie Irving the mastermind behind all of this, Kevin Durant handpicking Steve Nash along with Kyrie Irving. You guys built this. Let's win a title with this. We haven't had a full season to see what you guys can do together. Kyrie's going to be able to play if he's injury-free the majority of this upcoming season. Let's see what you guys can do. Let's actually put this to the test and see if this vision is worthy of a title. We know that if we have the two of you And if we get something from Ben Simmons, we are contenders in the East. Maybe not the favorites anymore, given what the Celtics were able to do, given what the Bucs could still do. But we are right there with them in that top three to top four category. We need to roll this out and let you do what you do, what we've seen you do in the playoffs. If if your toes don't go over that line against the Bucks. You beat the Giannis Bucks, and you are maybe that team that beats the Phoenix Suns for the 2021 NBA championship. Got to take more time to put that to the test. Um, KD has gone silent uh, about this. He had a little interaction on Twitter with friend of the show, Robin Lundberg from Sports Illustrated. Very interesting where he kind of said uh, to Robin, like, what do you want to know? In response to one of Robin's tweets, Robin put out some very reasonable questions. Why did you request a trade? Uh, What do you take issue with here in Brooklyn? Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Um, Asked about three very reasonable questions. And then KD kind of laughed it off, has been kind of radio silent, as you can see these um, headlines show, like this SB Nation article here. So... This is your only option with Kevin Durant. You have to keep him. Um, I would be shocked if if a deal goes down. That would really be the Nets saying, essentially, it's it's time to blow it up, um, which would be very, very odd and foolish because you can extend Kyrie Irving, I think, if he still wants to play basketball. If KD is there, you can extend him. And, and with... KD's respect for basketball history, I don't buy anything like he would hold out at the start of the season or 
things like that. I think he's going to play if he's under contract, if he's able to put on a jersey and get out on the court. He loves the game of basketball. He loves to compete. He's going to be there. You just got to win this staring contest between yourself, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. That's what we've got for this week. Hope you enjoyed the chat. I certainly enjoyed discussing it with you guys. If you have any thoughts, of course, let us know. Get at us, hoopsologypod at gmail.com for emails. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can check out our podcast feed anywhere you're listening to podcasts. It has been a pleasure. You guys take care. Have a great weekend and a great start to your next week. Stay tuned for interviews on the Hoopsology feed coming out next week. Got to run. Take care. Peace.